Hey, it's Santi. So today I'll be sitting down with two old friends, Tatsuya and Akira, who are building an app called Kizuna Messaging App. And it's built on a platform called Holochain. So this is one of the most secure ways to transfer data from one user to another, which I think is really relevant and useful for everyone to kind of find out about nowadays, particularly because data privacy is becoming such a sensitive issue around the world. So yeah, let's get right into it. Okay, Tats and Akira, thanks for taking the time to come and sit with me today uh, to talk about Holochain. So, what's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Santi, and uh, we're very excited to be here and to talk about uh, Holochain, our new project, Kizuna Messaging App, and, you know, like uh, the larger context of it, data privacy, and the current state of... um, the social media applications that we're using and whatnot. So yeah, very happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, Santi. Very excited. For for sure, man. This is huge. So we all know the 21st century, everyone's stuck on their phones. Um, Apps are king. And we all know that apps use our data in one way or another, especially, of course, the the big names, which we'll get into a bit later. So I guess kind of break it down for me. Uh, I don't really have too much of an understanding as well. Uh, what exactly is Holochain? Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll try to give a short explanation of what it is. But I guess before that, I think um, people who are listening to this would understand what Holochain is trying to do if we give them a little bit of uh, background context as to what Holochain is trying to solve. Um, so. Um, recently, I think, especially this year, um, like data privacy and data ownership and how our data, the things that we basically do on the internet is being used uh, to make, you know, massive amount of profits. Like that kind of thing has been gaining a lot of attention. And one good example of that is the Netflix documentary that were recently released, which I think gained a good amount of um attention uh the social dilemma so the documentary invites a lot of ex um software engineers of giant social media applications like facebook twitter pinterest youtube and whatnot and they talk a lot about um what they have built and what they had initially um thought of building it but uh didn't kind of like think of the kind of like the other consequences that can be brought about by having these um, applications in our hand. So um, in, in, in short, in short um, I think explanation, Holochain, what Holochain is really trying to do is bring back the ownership and control of data back to our hands. And what do I mean by ownership and control? So Whenever we use, um, you know, these kind of social media applications that are very famous today, like TikTok, Facebook, you know, Twitter, you name it, um, these applications usually have their own servers um, located remotely somewhere. It could be underwater, it could be in a very secured place. Usually it's called a cloud. Um, And... um, this is the reason why you can access your Facebook Messenger, you know, 
conversations, Instagram um, posts, whatnot, from any of your devices, right? Like you can access it from your laptop, from your phone, or wherever. And um, the way these companies make money, I think is pretty obvious to us now. And that is by ad- advertising, right? So um, what they do basically is, and this is well explained in um, the documentary Social Dilemma. Um, so they, they, they kind of collect all our datas, all our activities um, in these social media applications, and they try to kind of model, like try to make a, like build a model of us in their servers, uh, understanding our behaviors, you know, our um, patterns, usage patterns and whatnot, and um, try to understand their interest and where our um, attention usually goes to, and basically uh, use that to sell us ads. So they are selling our data for uh, the advertisers to, uh, advertisers to be able to advertise their products, their service, and their ideologies, you name it, uh, to us more effectively. Right? And this is possible because they own our data, they control our data, and we can't really do anything about it. Once you do something in Facebook, they're gonna remember it forever. And um, what Holochain is trying to say is that this has, like, in exchange for creating massive amount of wealth for a relatively small number of people, it has created a lot of societal problems that we are facing today. And again, there's no one, you know, bad guy here that we blame. Um, it's more of an architectural problem, a business model problem. And one of their big reasons why this is even possible is that they get to collect all our, all our data, store it in a massive and powerful computers, analyze it using their artificial intelligence, and kind of um, study us, basically, and predict our behaviors. And what Holochain does is, um, in, what Holochain does is, is that instead of um, allowing one company to collect everyone's data, you get to own your data. You get to control it. Your data is only stored in your device or it's stored in one single um, computer called Holoport, which we could talk about later. And you have the key to access this data, to edit this data, update it, delete it. So you can do whatever you want with the data. And no one else can do um, anything to your data. And so... Everyone's data is located in a distributed manner, meaning um, it's located in small pieces in many places instead of storing it um, in just one place. And this allows us to be able to interact, engage with one another without the fear of our data getting manipulated by someone else. So I guess that's just the kind of like overview that I could give to uh, the listeners of this podcast. And we could just dive deep later. Uh, yeah, so Akira, if you wanna add anything, ah, uh, that's pretty good, man. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, good. It was pretty comprehensive, actually. And it's a one thing that you brought up was the Netflix documentary "Social Dilemma." Uh, I think going back a little further, there's another documentary by Netflix as well that uh, paints an even scarier picture. I think it's called "The Great Hack," um, and it went into how Cambridge Analytica used user data to influence um that controversial election in the u.s in 2016 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and it's a pretty interesting point that you guys made with 
these apps having a centralized database of all the data. Um, because I think that the way these people are able to market is they use the data of one person, um, they build lookalike models, and they kind of assume and calibrate who else to push it to based on people within the same age range, uh, same income, living in the same area, and things like that. So it's pretty scary that we're kind of being subjected to trial and error with every push notification, every nudge, and every ad we see. So I think that's one thing that should double down on the value of Holochain and data privacy in general. So one thing I was pretty curious about as well was blockchain as opposed to Holochain, because I understand blockchain is another thing that's supposedly much more secure as well as a data transmission as compared to all these other mainstream apps, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a very qu- good question because Holochain is relatively new. I mean, like blockchain itself is relatively new, even though it existed since the, I think, since after the financial uh, depression we had in 2009. Like, I think Bitcoin was born in 2009 and it promised a more decentralized way of um, handling financial transactions rather than everything going through a centralized bank, we get to sort of send money and receive money in a person-to-person way, like peer-to-peer way, without having anyone in the middle. Um, but the, And so Holochain is even newer than blockchain, right? So um, this is one of the challenges Akira and I have always in like trying to explain what Holochain is to people. And we try to compare it with blockchain, but most of the people don't even know what the blockchain is. And I, I'm not trying to like, you know, like it's, it's, that's, that's how it should be because these terminologies are very kind of like isolated and only a few people in the tech industries understand it. And we don't even like, we haven't even kind of learned a good way to explain it to everybody. And I, th- I think that's one of the responsibilities we have, especially if we want to, solve this problem um and so yeah i'll try to differentiate blockchain and holochain so um in layman's term holo what blockchain does does is that um imagine if we all have a notebook right like a ledger accounting like you know all of us in college took accounting courses and we had that double entry uh journal was that called a journal where you put like debit credit whatever so imagine we all have that, right? And we all have the same copy of it. And when I say we, we all have the same copy of it, whoever writes in it tells everybody who has the ledger to also write the same thing so that we all are in sync of what's inside the ledger. And this is what blockchain does. Basically, um, you pick a handful of people from the rest of the network. So let's say we have 10,000 people in, in blockchain. You pick 10 people who have a very, very strong computer to be able to manage that ledger. And all of them will keep the same ledger. And who, whenever someone among the 10,000 does something, like for example, send the money, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, those 10 people will compete to write that transaction in their ledger. And whoever gets to write it gets rewarded with Bitcoin, right? And um, the, the thing to note about here is that 
everybody has uh, the record of everybody's activity. Like th those 10 people share the, the, the ledger that has everybody's transaction. And so um, this is good in a way because it's very secure. Um, because one thing to note here is that it's very hard for you to deviate from those 10 people and do your own thing. Like, for example, I have the ledger, right? And I write something and I don't share it with anyone. I'm essentially kind of cutting myself off from the rest of the network. Um, and um, this is what in the tech industry is called consensus. It's like you're, you're trying to agree with everybody that, hey, this is the kind of like the current state of the network. And so we should all agree that this is the, net, uh, the state. And, and if we agree, then we can move on to the next step. Uh, the thing with this is that um, you can imagine if the network grows in 100,000, a million users, billion users, those 10 people will have a very hard time keeping up with recording all the transactions that's happening in the network, right? That's why sending a Bitcoin to someone takes a very long time. Like it takes about an hour or two hours. And this is one of the problems that the blockchain industry is trying to solve right now, scalability, because if you really want to have a usable um, financial kind of technology in today's world, then you have to keep up with all the other existing um, tools like, you know, credit card, I think, can process up to 50,000 and 100,000 transactions per second. And so that's one of the challenges the blockchain has. The difference with Holochain is that instead of sharing, uh, instead of having a ledger where everybody's record is in, is in everybody like not just the 10 people that i was talking about but if you have 1000 users in your network every one of them will have their own ledger so if the three of us is in a network instead of santi you keeping a ledger that records the uh, all of the all of the transactions that the three of us will do each of us will have our own ledger and we write the transactions like we ourselves write our transactions in our ledger and we only share what we want to share from that ledger, right? For example, I transact with Akira uh, saying that, hey, I want to buy a coffee from you. And then Akira would say, okay, sure, pay me a hundred, you know, whatever, coffee coin or whatever. And um, then I would send him a hundred coffee coin. Akira would give me his coffee. And Santi, since you're not in the party, like you're not in the party of the transaction, you don't even have to know about it, right? Like, why do you care about someone buying a coffee in, on the other parts of the world, like doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter to you in in that context. So then, it's only Akira and I who have to write that transaction in our ledger. And if we want to share that to the world, that hey, I just bought a coffee from Akira, then I get to share it in a public space. So there is a diff, uh, there is a separated public space from that personal ledger that we have. Um. And that is a place where we could share some of the data that we have in our personal ledger. And so everybody can transact, transact with anyone without trying to um, tell everybody in the world that, hey, I, tra I transacted with this person and I trans transacted with this person. So that makes Holochain very scalable, very fast and very light. Um, yeah, so... In order for us to, and one thing that I have to mention is that in order for Holochain to be secure, the three of us, for example, if we're playing inside the Holochain network, 
we have to agree to a specific rule that has been set by the person who made the network. Um, well, it's usually the application developer. And so, for example, um, in this context, I cannot buy a coffee if I don't have 100 coffee coin in my ledger, right, in my account. And every time I transact with someone, um, the app, since we're all having one app, the, the, the same app, we all have the same rules that um, applies to every transaction that we do. So when I buy a, co uh, when I buy a coffee, um, the app automatically checks, hey, does this person have 100 coffee coin in his ledger? If he doesn't, he can't transact with, um, with Akira. If he does, okay, sure, go ahead. So um, one very good example that I always try to use with people is that imagine we're all playing um, Posoidos. Like, we all know what a Posoidos is, right? Any, or any card game. Um, say, in, like, could be a poker too. But basically what blockchain is, is that everybody remembers what card um, each of us has put down and what card is still remaining in the deck. And that is a very tedious process. Like you have to remember everything, right? Um, and that is very slow because every time someone drops a card, you have to check, okay, this, is this card, has this card been dropped before? Or how, like, is this the fourth um, nine of the hearts or whatever? Or is this the fifth nine of the hearts? Because that's possible in the digital world, right? Now you can, you can cheat these kind of systems. Um, and what Holochain does is instead of remembering every move that everybody made, you just remember the rule of the game, saying you can't put down a fifth card of the same number with the same um, symbol. And so that makes it very easy for people to interact with each other in a Holochain world um, and very fast as well and very scalable. So. Yeah, um, I hope that, that, that has clarified some of the que um, questions that you had in mind or the audiences. A uh, little bit. So the way I understand it now is blockchain requires constant computation by every device kind of linked to the unit being shipped around. And Holochain, basically, each app would act as its own ecosystem. Is that kind of right to assume? Yes, yes, that is right to assume, yes. Okay, so I understand yeah. that your upcoming project, Kizuna, um, is a social app, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is actually one of the things that it's most crucial because this is where a lot of the data that I think companies would profit off of get the most quality, so to speak. Um, because there's no better way to know your audience than through their social interactions, right? Um, so take me through what exactly Kizuna is and how it compares to the other bigger names. So there's things like Telegram or WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Akira, do you want to give? Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. You're on the road. Okay. 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 So... Um... What Kizuna messaging application is, is that, first of all, it's built on top of Holochain. And it, this gives us um, a number of advantages that is not, I think, as far as we've looked at, is not available in other messaging applications. And um, I guess one of the first things that I should mention is that 
So in WhatsApp or in Messenger and Telegram, we all have our group chats, right? And usually, when you do group chats in um, other messaging applications, this is usually just kind of like a part of the whole larger network of, of the application's network, right? So um, what I mean by that is whenever, for example, if the three of us make a group chat, we're all sending our messages um, through the same server that other users are sending their messages to. So basically, um, if, for example, um, some people in India has their own group chats, they're also sending their messages through the same server that um, we're also sending our messages in our group. And don't get me wrong, like messaging app like Signal, WhatsApp, um, well, WhatsApp is a little bit shady because they're closed, their source is closed, but they claim that they are using the same um, protocol as Signal. And as far as we've seen, Signal is by far the most secure messaging app out there. Um, and the reason is that they never store their messages in a cloud, in a server. So the disadvantage there is that you don't get to access your message from other devices, right? Like your previous messages, at least. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the thing is, with, with Kizuna messaging application, when you do a group chat, you are creating a totally isolated network, meaning it's, it's separated from the rest of the network. So people who are not part of, your group chat don't even know that that group chat exists and this is a very very important piece of information because um, the thing with the current setup of group chat is that app providers can put someone in there without letting the the members of the group know uh without letting them know and that someone can receive all your messages in a group, right? So it could be a government agency, it could be a spy, it could be anyone. And this is not something that I said. It was actually some. Uh, it was actually proposed by someone from GCHQ. So GCHQ is, I think, short for uh, Government Communication Headquarters, which is a government agency of UK, um, and they are trying to think of a way to kind of have a way to sort of wiretap these conversations that's happening online. Oh, that's so crazy. Of, yeah, and the, one, of the, one of the ways that they have proposed is exactly what I uh, just explained to you. Uh, and that is, you put a silent party in every group that they will exist, right? And every time you send a message to that group, that someone, that silent party also receives that message. And obviously, they want to, they want to do this for a good reason. Like, they want to stop some organized crime activities or whatever but you know how it is right like every 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 time we try to do something to stop something bad like another bad thing happens like there's always a side effect to this kind of um, abuse of power and what holochain can do in kizuna method computer is like your proxy right that will talk to everybody else and that computer will only talk to someone if they know that that someone is in the same network. So how do they do that? So remember the personal ledger that I talked to you about a while ago? In that personal ledger, you can have a proof. Um, it's like a joining proof, right? And 
before you even establish a connection with someone, um, you can check that person's ledger and make sure that that person has the proof that, hey, I belong to this group, so let's talk to each other. So if they don't find that proof, and that proof can only be given by the existing member of the group chat, or it can, it can just be even the person who created the group. So um, that, that is customizable, right? Like, like any other applications out there, you can set someone else admin so that they can add more people in the group. And if that person don't have the proof, then nobody will talk to that person. So this is only possible because Holochain is um, agent-centric. When we say agent-centric, that, that means like it's person-centric, it's user-centric. Like the center of the architecture is the person who's using the application. So if this person doesn't have the proof that he belongs to this group, then other people will not talk to that person. And um, this, is, this is something um, difficult to do in other applications because of the difference in architectures and how they are implemented their messaging application. So yeah, I think this is one of the most exciting part of um, Kizuna messaging application. And also, we are still planning to make Kizuna messaging application a cloud-enabled app, but distributed. So instead of hosting everybody's message in one place, your message is only um, stored in a proxy computer that you have. So proxy means like um, that computer is doing something for you, right, on, beh on behalf of you. And that computer doesn't store someone else's message basically so it's very distributed and this is very good because for hackers right if someone wants to attack a server and we've seen this a lot in news right like facebook getting hacked millions of users information getting stolen telegrams getting hacked millions of users information getting stolen um this like holochain hugely decreases the risk of this happening because if information is distributed are distributed then you're almost sure that um, hackers won't have enough incentive to attack the system. Because even if they attack the system, they can only get so much of the information. They will never be able to get everyone's information in one attack. It's like breaking into a house. And in today's application, if you break into a house, all the treasures are there. You get to get everything. But in Holochain, treasures are divide divided into many houses. And hackers have to hack each house to get everyone's um, information and breaking into just one house is very tedious and usually if you break into one house people will notice oh you know our system is getting attacked and so by then you can do some um you can have measures to prevent any further attacks in your system so yeah i guess those are the big benefits that we have um Akira, if you want to share more uh please please It's pretty interesting. So this is a really, it sounds like a huge project, right? That I'm assuming it's really new because prior to this, I actually hadn't heard of Holochain at all. Um, so I'm also kind of curious, seeing that this is a very new platform, um, how did you guys get into this industry in the first place? 
Hmm. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Akira, actually, you might be able to explain this one better, like our our story. Yeah. How yeah. We, sure. How um. How we started with um. So at first we were um as a as a startup entrepreneurs we we started doing this project called Doko before in Japan this was like uh in the late late months of 2019 so we were we were kind of scouring around for problems that were worth solving and so we started with this project called Doko um basically it's a it's a tourist application for 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 Japan so so you know in Japan there's a lot of um Japanese signages, you know, Japanese directions, and to some people, it's it's really hard to navigate there. And so basically, it allows you to um, kind of navigate Japan through an English application, so that you get to um, get to your conveniences, such as like your um, smoking areas for those people who smoke, restrooms, very important for tourists, and garbage bins as well. Um, and so when we launched that, and then COVID happened, and you know that kind of um limited our uh, reach in japan and after that we started checking around more on problems that are worth solving and that's the time when i believe that's was able to uh was was introduced to this organization called holochain um through a friend and um of course he shared that to me um then we started getting into it we saw the the, the possibilities that you can do with holochain and so we just thought of like what are things that we can actually solve right now with, with this technology? And so we at first we were thinking about doing a social media application like Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, something of that nature. Um, but then someone in the or in the community was already doing that kind of project. Um, it's called Junto. Check them out. They're they're very nice. Uh, very good um project as well. Um, and so we were also looking at other stuff and we just kind of stumbled upon the idea of Kizuna. So for those people who are uh, listening, Kizuna is a, it's a mobile messaging application that um, protects your privacy and security. And uh, we started with this belief. We started with this philosophy that because um, um, we were aware of the problems with centralized applications and how they use your information against you or they use your information to target you with ads so that you can keep using their application. And to us, that's that was kind of like a, like unethical that was unethical for us actually and um you know your information being used to to take advantage of you for profit you know that that kind of thing is unethical to us and um we believe that we we humans have this thing uh, called the bond a deep bond so kizuna is actually a japanese word uh which means uh, deep bond that people share with one another and so um we believe that this bond that we have with one another, with our close ones, with our family and friends, it's something that should never be capitalized on. And so we, that's where the idea of Kizuna happened. And so um, from there, um, we thought of, we also took inspiration from other projects in the Holochain ecosystem. Um, incredible people, by the way, like it's an open source community. So people are just willing to share inf uh, information, the learnings. It's it's a cutting edge technology. So um, that's where we really got to, you know, kind of iterate and improve on the idea of Kizuna. Um, and so we we kind of took what Holochain's um, value propositions were, like you own your data, 
your agent centricity and kind of made it our own for Kizuna. Um, so yeah, fast forward this whole COVID pandemic lockdown, um, we were, we've been working on it and, um, we are going to be launching our crowdfunding soon as well, to try and make this, uh, to try to, um, complete the application. So, um, yeah, uh, we, we just, we just, uh, don't like that nonprofit kind of approach when it comes to centralized applications and, um, yeah, here we are with uh, crowdfunding. I love it. I didn't know that the name was actually related to the deep bond as well. So it's pretty cool that the, the DNA of the app goes all the way into its name as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it is. So one thing I'm pretty curious about is we've gone into detail about how all the chain can be used for social apps. Mm -hmm. um, can you give me an idea of the potential it has for any other kind of industry oh yeah 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 definitely um yeah just to um that's actually a very good question because there's a lot of projects right now that is building on top of holo chain and actually kind of we're actually kind of excited to share that with you as well um as akira said holo chain is a very very interesting community it's like Every week we have like three to four calls with someone in the community or the team in the whole chain. And it's usually a little bit of struggle for me and Akira because the time zone is, you know, it's like most of them are living in the US or in the Europe region. So our meeting usually is like at 11 p.m., 12 in the morning, 1 in the morning, because that's like their noon morning. Um, but we've met a lot of interesting people who has a, a lot of interesting ideas and we see a lot of potential with that. Um, and right now, um, one, uh, some of the biggest ones we see is, yeah. So first of all, what Akira mentioned, Junto, so Junto is a social media applications that allows, uh, you to interact with, um, with your community with no, you know. Um, with no manipulations whatsoever that is happening in the current um, messaging, uh, I mean, social media applications that we're using. One more thing that is very interesting for me is in the energy industry. So in Australia, there is this startup company called Red Grid. And so they are using, and this Red Grid startup um, is partnered with, I think, one of the biggest universities in Australia. It's called Monash University. Um, and they are trying to build a decentralized smart um, energy grid using Holochain. And the university itself is like kind of the guinea pig for that. So they're setting microgrids um, in a lot of the places in university. And these microgrids, so microgrids, grids are basically, um, and sorry if I'm wrong, because I'm not like an energy expert as well, but from what I understood, Grid is what supplies their electricity to the appliances that we have, right? So these grids have Holochain installed in them. And they can talk to other grids in a kind of like a peer-to-peer -peer way, in a direct communication way, and supply electricity as where it is needed the most. And it's kind of like, so basically it's like an IoT project, right? They're trying to, as they named it, create, uh, they're trying to create an internet of energy. So imagine like um, your, uh, uh, your, I don't know, refrigerator, your aircon having installed a chip that has Holochain in it. And they can interact with 
all the other appliances plus the microgrids that supply the electricity to sort of efficiently distribute electricity. And if you have your solar panels installed in your home, then that could also have Holochain installed with it. And any surplus of electricity you have, you can sell it to other microgrids or other uh, sort of houses that needs more electricity. And I think they are doing this in Australia because Australia has a lot of cases of outages, electricity outages. And so that's one very interesting project. Um, see, let's see what else. So there's another one, which is um, it's called, uh, there, someone is making an accounting system using Holochain. Um, and it's called Holo REA. So REA is, REA stands for Resource Economic, uh, Resource Economic and Agent. So it's a new accounting model that was proposed around 1990s by someone who is, yeah, I forgot his name, but um, he's a prominent guy in the IT industry who said we need a new accounting model for, uh, for the digital age. And so this guy called Pospi, he's from Australia as well, is developing, a, developing that um, theory into an actual product using Holochain. And... What else? What else, Akira? Is it, am I missing something? I'm pretty sure I'm missing a lot of other projects that are very interesting. There's also this project by Sid. It's called uh, Sacred Capital. Yeah, yeah. Something that has to do with your um, reputation. Um, and then there's also another one called Beehive. Um, it deals with holochain. It it um tries tries to address um communities, I yeah, believe. Yeah. Yeah, so so there are a lot. It's it's in terms of application of holochain in various industries, it's very very wide. Um, yeah. But there also there are some industries that um, won't be benefiting from it much, right? Uh, from what I understood. But but yeah, think, it's yeah. very wide in terms of the reach. So it's very very exciting as we head towards because um, holochain itself is in development right now, and once it is um, already completed, I think that's when we'll see really a surge of applications being built on top of it you know yeah. the with the value propositions being your agent centricity i think that's one of the the most the biggest things here um the fact that people who are in the holochain network can actually own their own data you know and one one way to think about this also is like um with with these centralized applications these current applications that we have the power is really concentrated on the app developer or the the owner right so i think we can connect the giant corporations here right so think about facebook twitter instagram you know everything everything that you produce as content is owned by by those app developers and what what holochain really does for me and, and what matters to me with holochain is that it kind of tilts tilts the scale a bit in terms of the power so now the power goes into the hands of the users and i think that's very um that's that's a for me that's a better way of um you know kind of dealing with um uh, um these these manipulative forces of um centralized apps so yeah i don't even realize there was that much that you could do with it so impressive and just to think that currently we're only scratching the surface of what you could do with all the chain what really mm -hmm. stands out to me with what you guys just mentioned this that energy industry with the grids yeah um pretty relevant as well i think that could go a long way in terms of sustainability and even disaster response um yeah so we've had some big power outages here recently in manila and 
that does sound like a really good solution once it gets kind of rolled out and scaled. So oh, yeah. super exciting times. That even oh, sounds yeah. like how I imagine the future would be like, you know, like in 2010, when you think about what the future is like, this is the kind of stuff that most people should have kind of imagined instead of TikTok <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, so yeah. just yeah. to backtrack a little bit, tell us a bit more about what to expect from the big launch. I know you guys are doing a big launch of your newsletter and the crowdfunding first round on December 2. So tell me a bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Akira, you want to um, go for that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, the reason why we wanted to do um, crowdfunding in the first place is um, we want we want Kizuna to establish a community. And, since, and also one of the qualities of Kizuna is that it is open source. And so that means that the the code is going to be open for um, checks by the community, um, for validations, just to make sure that it is um, you know secure, it is good. Um, and I think I think it's it's also important that um, we're open sourcing it to to be able to kind of um, um, also to be in parallel with the message of Holo Chain that. Um, you know, uh, we 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 own our data. So, um, yeah. And the where do we? Uh, yeah, we're do, we're doing this crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter on December two to try to um, progress with the project. And um, yeah, right now we need the reason why we are sharing this is because we want people to gain more uh, to get more attention around Kizuna and so for uh, for us to do to be able to do that we want your help and that is to uh, sign up to our newsletter um, that's where you'll learn more about the Kizuna application um, you, can, you guys can also visit our website at kizuna.foundation slash n e-n um, to learn more about the project um, our our ethos you know our features we have some exciting features coming um, so yeah, I'm not sure how much how deep can I go with this, but um that's that's what I want to say right now. Yeah, so okay, good stuff. Add something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I just want to say um again, Kizuna Meshing application is a nonprofit um project. And I feel like well, actually the theme of Kizuna feels like uh messaging applications have grown into some sort of infrastructure that needs remodeling and one way we think it should be managed is that it should be a completely nonprofit kind of infrastructure project that everyone should can contribute and um, keep alive of, keep it alive of. And this crowdfunding is our first step in doing that. And um, we are doing this crowdfunding so that we could keep this project alive and strong, and so that we can continue developing it. Um, and yeah, so we have opened our newsletter again, as Akira said, so that we could share more about it, more about the project, more about the crowdfunding, and how, what are the next steps for us and whatnot. So, yeah, I hope uh, people could sign up to it and um, hope people are excited for the crowdfunding as well. Sounds good. And wherever I post this, I'll make sure to include the links as well. So for whoever's listening, feel free to go ahead and check it out. Super exciting stuff. Uh, it's nice to Thank be a you. part of this. So... Now that we've gone through the whole holochain and Kizuna in general, I kind of want to pivot to how you guys have been doing because I think it's really important to check in on you guys as well, given that 
the world is kind of on fire at the moment. So um, what's yeah. it been like working from home since the pandemic started? So it's pretty hard to go out there and everything. So what's that been like for you guys? Yeah. Um, yeah, good question. Um, I think this has to be done with everyone, you know, just just to check in. I think today um, in this time, um, it's very important that we get to check in with not just our friends, but also our loved ones, our family, right? And for me, at the beginning of the lockdown period here in the Philippines, it was a struggle, really, because I've been used to going to our office in Makati. So I, I, I see our developers working on a daily basis, um, and we're working in this co-working space as well. So, you know, uh, I was used to this interaction with different people. And, and of course, lockdown happened, and we weren't able to do that anymore for many months and at first it was such a struggle because i'm also a i'm a an outgoing person and um that was kind of tough and i also live alone and so it was kind of like a shake like uh, it's like an earthquake in a sense because you kind of lose track of you know your habits you know you your your time then when you go to in the office in the morning and um it was really hard at first but um, you know, we 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 decided that this is just a challenge that can be overcome. And as a team, you know, uh, we thought of different ways on handling this. So you know, we we restructured our meetings. Uh, we had these MWF meetings to um, you know to kind of in, um, check in on one another. Um, and also, we used we used different tools to kind of address that, um, so so that we can keep track of the project. Um, and just, you know, just having these regular check-in with your friends, using tools like Discord, one you're using now, um, I think they were really great. And um, just, um, just just that just struggle at first, man. But eventually, we, we, I think we were able to weather the, the COVID storm um, eventually. And now we're starting to get used to it. I believe I started, I'm already used to it. And... Um, I'm just really thankful for the tools, you know, like these tools at our disposal, um, really helpful. Um, so, yeah, and I think also one of the things that um, I got from this lockdown period is that, you know, your 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 close relationships like end up ma mattering more, even more. You know, like um, you start to actually this became like a test, and there's something about going through a hardship and coming out of it. That makes relationships stronger, and that's kind of like how I felt about um, this lockdown. And honestly, I'm thankful that this happened. You know, as 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 um, weird as that sounds, because um, now now I understand. You know, who those people that really matter are to me. So, yeah. Um, curious to know also um, Tats and Santi's um, position on this. Yeah, uh, go ahead first before we get into because yeah. that's with the whole Japanese experience. I'm sure is a little different. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess my I can relate a little, little bit more in terms of working in Manila. Um, so like you said, the tools are such a big part of it. Um, because I recently just started working at a new new company, and with the way it's set up, luckily there's stuff like Zoom. We have a VPN, so we can access our servers from the office. And mm -hmm. literally, this would be impossible maybe like 10 or even five years ago. I don't think it would be possible to have this entire setup mm -hmm. um, just a few years earlier. And 
it's been a bit difficult working with a team because I haven't met anyone face to face yet, which is super weird. <laughs> mm. uh, wow! So I I really just know everyone by their pictures on Slack, their pictures on Zoom, and we've like a total of five minutes we've had our cameras on in, in every <laughs> single meeting. So I super haven't even shook it. their hands yet. Yeah, not even. And knowing <laughs> COVID, when I finally meet them, I'll just do an elbow bump or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so I 100% relate to that. I'm curious how it's been for you over there, Tats. Yeah, um, for for me, it was a bit different. Well, it's not really different, but I guess the scale of the hardship and whatnot, maybe is a bit different for me because Japan handled COVID a little bit differently than how probably the rest of the world did. Um, So first of all, we didn't have a lockdown. So even if it was COVID, I still can go out and, you know, I mean, like, I don't go out to, 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 I don't know, like, buy, uh, I don't know, like, walk, uh, the the usual things that you do to go out, like, you know, enjoy the 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 outside world and whatnot. But I could still go out to buy stuff, essential things, and there's no checkpoints and whatnot. So it was very voluntary, everything. And so it was pretty amazing to see that people are very um like people follow rules, you know, actually like even if it's a voluntarily thing and if you if you don't, like you're not gonna get caught like in the Philippines. I think in the Philippines if you're like outside still uh past curfew, you're in trouble, right? But here there's no curfew. If you're out, you're out, you're fine. But um, I think even with that, people were able to manage the the, the, the pandemic pretty well. Um, and it was pretty impressive to see that, that kind of collective um, consciousness that this country has in terms of managing a crisis. Um, but all the other stuff uh, pretty much relate to what you guys said, um, especially for me. Um, kind of like managing the developers um, remotely. I was already managing the team that remotely because I live here and they live in the Philippines. But them working from home and me having to check up on them, not just professional in, in terms of like the work itself, but in their you know, emotional well-being, their psychological well-being, that was pretty important for me because obviously they were also affected. And um, some of us have been affected by COVID more than... Um, the others and so we also had to endure that Um, but yeah it's like COVID taught like COVID taught me a lot of things as well Um, and obviously there are a lot of people who've been affected heavily by this and I'm very um, it's very unfortunate and I extend my um, I don't know prayers to them as well but um it taught me a lot of things like the things that we took for granted you know on a daily basis the interactions that we have with the people that um, we used to have suddenly went away um and it's like the the people who i had some beef with that felt like it was such a small thing compared to the the sort of blessing that i had in terms of having them in my life, interacting with them, family, my friends. And so COVID taught me to be grateful of that. Um, but more importantly, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just really glad that my family is safe and everybody's safe. But yeah, I think um, 
for sure the tools helped and um yeah i'm just pretty amazed with how the country um held up for so long although um there are downsides with it i'm very worried about um especially on the economic side like tourisms here have like kind of dried out the year i i think that happened in the in the in the in the rest of the world but um so i think we are going to see a lot of the aftermath you know of covid um from now on maybe to the next year two years um so um we'll see about that but generally um i'm very sur- surprised and glad uh, of the discipline and this kind of social social kind of like the unspoken rules that the japanese have in terms of interacting with one another and for them even like wearing a mask is not is not to protect themselves like i think this is something that that a lot of people especially um in the countries that are not used to wearing masks um thought of differently like for them maybe like wearing a mask is to protect themselves but here in japan like people wear masks so that they don't affect other people like um it's not about them it's about the others right so you wearing a mask is about you might be infected and you don't want to affect other people for that so those kind of small things i think contributed to a lot of um the reasons why we didn't have so much cases of covid um in the last you know year and yeah i'm very grateful for that that's true and that actually is a perfect segue into something i've been wanting to ask as well Um, I also noticed from my previous visits to Japan that it's 100% normal to wear a mask out in public. Um, I see so many of them in the train. I'm assuming as long as you have something that might even just be a cold, it's common courtesy to mask up just so you don't kind of spread it already. And it's really nice to see that there's a culture of accountability and things like that, um, which leads me to something that I really wanted to ask. Um, What's it like living in Tokyo? Because you know I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to visit you actually a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. Fell victim to that travel ban of COVID. For sure. Yeah. Akira was supposed to go here as well. Uh, actually, a lot of people were supposed to go here this year, and yeah, COVID hit us. Yeah, we were even planning for the entire team to go there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Shit, shit Crazy. <laughs> well, worth the wait for sure. Well, yeah, worth the wait for sure, for sure. Um, with regards to your question, yeah, that's um. Well, living in Tokyo has been a great experience for me. I mean, like in terms of, just in terms of the convenience that, the country offers you, like you know your internet being available twenty four seven. You don't have to be scared that oh my god tomorrow we might not have internet because of our ISP not doing their job or something like. That never occurred to me ever, even a single day. Like I, I think I never had an internet outage here. And you know, like if you've been here, trains are amazing. You know, seats are actually soft, and like again, people are very nice. Um, they wear masks and whatnot. So yeah, a lot of good stuff. I mean, the food is amazing. Um, and I'm living in. I'm not really living in the center center of Tokyo, where where it's skyscrapers, skyscrapers and whatnot. It's it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more community kind of vibe, like so. I know the people that live here, and and the people in in the cashiers of Seven Eleven that I always go here. 
and if you've been here you know how amazing 7-elevens in japan like i literally yes, like, get everything there like my meals my drinks everything comes from 7-eleven so thank you to 7-eleven for that um, yeah, so they're, they're, they're very they're very they're very kind and they know me right now by face and like just recently they said they're gonna have their they're gonna introduce the self self what do you call that self-checkout um cashier like the one you don't have to have an like a cashier actual person doing that doing it so i was a bit sad about that so i had to ask them like oh wait are you guys gonna not be here anymore am i not gonna see you again but they were like no no, no we're still gonna be here it's fine and i was like Nice, nice. But anyway, so those kind of interactions are very nice. But obviously, it comes with a challenge as well because culture here is very different from, I guess, the culture that I grew up with um, or we all grew up with, right? In the Philippines, it's more akin to like the Western culture. We're very open. When we see our friends, we hug each other, you know, beso, beso, whatnot. And we're, we're very expressive about our emotions as well. Um, in Japan, it's not really like that. And I'm saying I'm not saying that um, Japan is um, like Japan has an inferior culture. No, no, no. Like we have, they have an amazing culture, but the way they express their emotion is very, very subtle. And so you have to pick up those small signals that they have in order for you to be able to understand what they feel, what they are actually saying, and you have to be able to express yourself. In those subtle ways, right? And those cultural intricacies that Japan has, um, I think it takes years to to learn that. And I'm still learning them. And I'm still struggling to cope up with it. And I sometimes obviously miss that open, expressive culture of the Philippines. And, you know, um, but yeah, like I think there's a beauty in seeing the different cultures that, that we have in this world. And how people have that unspoken social rules that they all abide with. And yeah, overall, it's been an amazing experience. And I think people, if like anyone is planning to move here, they would love it. It's just that there's an initial kind of learning period and adjusting into the new culture that you're in because obviously it's an, it's an Asian, it's Eastern kind of culture compared to a Western one. So especially the people in the Philippines might, have to learn that for a while but overall it's been amazing and i'm very grateful for it as well that's true it's a good point and personally i actually want to end up moving to japan eventually it's my favorite place in the world and um it's kind of scared of the language barrier but hopefully i'll work something out when it comes to that Mm -hmm. um but kind of pivoting off of that i guess to conclude one other thing i've been really curious about is there's the japanese stereotype of the hours are really intense and mm. it's all very old-fashioned the traditional so is that really what it's like or is that more of a stereotype that has to be broken nowadays um i think it's it's it 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 is starting to become a stereotype is what i'm i'm feeling right now so when i came here it there's still like prevalent like people are very strict about their time like there was one time i was late to this seminar and it was a seminar right but it was a seminar that i was invited to join so it's not like uh, i paid for it so obviously i had that kind of reason not to be late um but when i was late i got scolded 
by the guy who was doing the seminar and he told me like he told me some pretty harsh stuff like you know if you're if you if you can't even um keep up with the the scheduled time like you have to start from you know working for someone else try to learn that first before you even start your own business some something like that um and i think in the younger generations though it's been it's becoming a little bit loose and Jap- japanese are known to have uh Jap- well japanese are known to work for longer hours than um people in the other countries like i think the average working hour series like 50 60 hours and that's that's average right like it's not even like a um hard working kind of s- setting so um the government is trying to 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 kind of like alleviate that you know telling people to take more breaks get their paid leave because people here don't take le- uh paid leaves man they hate to take paid leaves and it's it's one of the things that um i think they have to be more um welcoming of like taking paid leaves and vacations um and yeah so so i'd say they are starting to change it and i see a lot of improvements in that and especially if i'm interacting with the younger generation like you know people in their 30s even 40s like they're not as strict as the older people right um and so i'm seeing some change in it and i hope um only the 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 i hope like it doesn't change so much things about japan like i hope japan still stays true to the print principles and the values and the philosophies that this this country was built on top of um but yeah i think in general um we are starting to have more breathing room in in, in terms of those things and yeah i think it's going to get better in the next years to come that's interesting and being someone who's had to deal with filipino time my whole life i can't imagine getting oh, chewed yeah. out for being 5 10 minutes late when everything here starts 20 minutes late <laughs> 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 that's true man well the thing is you can't make an excuse here right like in the philippines you can say like oh well traffic eh? like uh, i can't do anything about it and the people are like yeah well what can we do about that right but here like you can't like trains are always on time like if they were if they are late by a minute like the the, the person who's driving the train would tell you that they're sorry that they're late and what not and so you really have no excuse to be late right so Yeah. <laughs> that's true it's a very different it's a very different um, setup I, i i would say one thing i noticed is the trains are punctual to the minute like 8:52 oh, yeah. sometimes it arrives mm-hmm. uh and it's it's such a big contrast to the mrt and the lrt here where sometimes yeah. it's a skip train um for some reason there's no one on it and then the next train there's physically no space to get on so <laughs> often times it even st- it even stops sometimes you know <laughs> yeah that's true the <laughs> um it's even happened to me one time where the door was only about half closed and the lrt was running <laughs> um yeah and it's it was one of those rush hours where mm. you were kind of packed like sardines and the door was half open So I was pretty convinced yeah, I wasn't going to make it home but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. So yeah. I think that's it. We talked about a lot of things. Um super insightful stuff on Holochain. Uh again, everyone listening, I encourage you to check out their crowdfunding. All the links would be in all the socials where this is posted. And 
Tats and Akira, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having us here, Santi. It was a, it was a great pleasure. Thank you, Santi. Um, keep you posted and thanks for the opportunity, man. For sure. And as soon as it's possible, we should all definitely get together and have a beer or something. Finally catch definitely. up. Definitely. Let's see each other in Japan. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> for sure. Let's go. Sure. All right. That's it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy.